Father, we thank you for another Sunday to come into your house. What an honor it is, Lord, an opportunity to hear from you, to hear from your word, to lift you up as a body, to honor you for who you are and what you've done in all of our lives. And if nothing else, God, we thank you for going to the cross. We thank you, Lord, for giving us an opportunity to respond to this free gift that you've given all of us, eternal life through the blood of your Son. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the glory and we ask that you would anoint this morning. We ask that you would anoint the Word of God. We come against the enemy and any attempt that he would make to maybe intercept the words that should be landing in fertile soil, establishing roots in our heart this morning, Lord God. We pray that you would be honored, that you would be magnified. We give this service to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Good morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Welcome to all of you. For those of you who are visiting with us, a special welcome to you. Um, I am the youth pastor. My name is Adam. I've been here as the youth pastor since September of the year 2000. Do you remember? That was 18 years ago. It's a long time ago. I want to start off this morning here in a minute. We'll take maybe the stage lights down. Uh, I want to show you a clip of something, but um, I guess in preparation for this message, we've had uh, a lot of messages about God's will and making sure that we as a church and we as individuals are living in God's will. It's been interesting because I've had several unsaved people that I would least expect to ask the question, how do you know that you're living in God's will? How do you know what is right? How do you know which direction to go? And sometimes that's difficult, amen? To know exactly what God wants from us and what he wants to do through us. And, uh, you know, I remember Sturman Moore last week just kind of breaking it down very simplistic and saying, share your story. Share your story fervently and really go to God and ask where he is leading us and what he wants to accomplish in this life. We've also been going through, and this is kind of what's led up to this point, but we've also been going through the Aphabel series and the judgments of six different characters and the lives, the lives that they led and kind of seeing what it all amounts to and what is blown away or burned away and what remains. The works when God judges our intentions and our motives. It's a little scary, isn't it? And we've been going through this series on Sunday night, of which, by the way, the youth ministry is, we finished last week, so I will actually be speaking to the youth tonight. We will have a normal service. Um, we finished this last week, but the adults will have, I think, just tonight left with the Aphabel series over in the fellowship hall at 7 p.m. So I believe we kind of really have to look at our intentions and our motives and what actually counts for God and making sure that we are clearly hearing from him and obeying his voice because it's really easy to say, yeah, God told me to do that. Yeah, I feel like God was leading me in this. And if he's not, that's dangerous, right? So how do we make sure that it's God? And I believe we have to really take inventory and examine ourselves so we can really successfully navigate our way through what God has ordained to be a destination for each and every one of us. 
Everybody has the revealed will of God, which is the simplistic will of God, which is it's revealed in the word. Everybody does these things. Pastor broke it down really well a couple of weeks ago when it's like, this is the will of God to do this and this and to flee from this, and that's for everybody. But then there's the unique will of God. That God has a specific mission for every single human that submits themselves to his will. Finding that, man, does that, does that scare you sometimes? Because sometimes I wonder, I'm like, am I doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing? Because I think those are the tears, a lot of the tears, that God is going to wipe away from our eyes on that day. And when he says to us, I had this for you, but you chose this, Right? I had these people for you to win, but you chose this path. Those have to be some tears that he wipes away. My biggest fear in this life, I think, is not reaching my fullest potential. Does anyone else struggle with that? But a lot of times we settle, and we make peace with whatever we think is okay, and like Pastor has said before, we put a God stamp on it. But may I say this morning that not all good ideas are God ideas, amen? Because we could come up with a lot of good ideas. These God-ordained destinations, and at the end we can finally say, only God could have done this. Giving all glory to him and recognizing him as the source of everything that we are and everything that we have. So in this, I had the opportunity to, this weekend, speak with a pilot and I wanted to ask him some questions in regards to a message I heard maybe a year ago. I can't remember what it was, and I started thinking about it, and then I started thinking of the science and the physics behind it because I taught that for about 12 years in the public schools, and I'm thinking of all these different laws that God says. So I spoke with this pilot, and um, he, he's been a pilot for quite a while, and I had some questions for him because a lot of times we think that we understand how flight works. <laughs> it, it doesn't work the way you think, right? There's a lot of science behind it and a lot of laws that the operation of a plane has to obey these laws of physics in order for us to stay in the air. I've been in the air a lot. been all over the world in the air. Long flights. We've, been to, we've had people that have done missions in Africa for seven or eight years. And when we went to Africa and the long flights, and we don't really think about it. You might be experiencing some turbulence. Please make sure that you understand that we don't even think about these things. We just trust that the laws of physics are operating the way that they should, right? And when you feel the bumps, and we, I mean, I remember some serious turbulence with you and I, like 15, I don't know how long ago it was. It was you and I and Jace and someone else, and we were going to New York. That was the most turbulence I've ever felt. I thought we were going down. I also remember that we were coming in. This was our mission trip to Africa, I think. We were coming into Newark, New Jersey, and we're almost hitting the runway, and they yank us back up in the air. Who remembers that who went to Africa? One of the scariest things ever, because that's not normal. When you're like this close to the runway and you get yanked back up into the air, we're, we thought we're dead, we're being like terrorists are on board. We don't know what's happening. And it was kind of scary. Uh, my wife and I traveled and we don't really have the opportunity to do this really, but we had the points to do it. So we actually flew in uh, like a first business class from 
um, Singapore to South Korea, about a seven hour flight, and then we had the same situation from South Korea over the top of the world, who's done that, that's kind of cool, to Chicago, was about a 13 or 14 hour flight. In first class, full beds, huge TVs, four people in our section out of 300 people on the plane, it was amazing. And we didn't once think about the physics of flying and how things actually happen when you fly. So I want to remind you real quick, and I want to show you a video clip of something that happened from a flight. I think it was flight 3407 in February of 2009, 10 years ago, a month after the miracle on the Hudson, if you remember that. That's been 10 years So February of 2009, there was a flight that they do this flight 47 times a week and they were going from from Newark, New Jersey to Buffalo, New York and there was a plane crash, if you remember this and I want to show you a clip real quick just to kind of refresh your memory and, and then we will move forward. So watch this. Okay, so that, if you have to start your work week tomorrow commuting on a flight, I'm sorry. Um, but I want you to think in the spiritual this morning. Okay, so I want to attempt, and I I don't know all about this, but I do know some of the laws as far as physics go, like if you are familiar with Bernoulli's principle, you're familiar with the speed of changes of fluid through pressure differences, and how sometimes we think that in order to fly, that the the wind, the air, the pressure is pushing upward on the wings, when in actual, it's actually pulling up, correct? So when, that's called lift if you are familiar with that. And I just had a little bit of time before the service to confirm this with someone who is visiting after being gone for a little while. Uh, Garrett, how you doing, sir? Nice to see you. Garrett is home for a few days from the Navy. It is good to see you. So kind of looking at um, Isaac Newton's third law and second law of motion. If you don't know what those are, you can look those up. But uh, flying kind of by creating a lift that pulls up as opposing to a pressure that pushes up. So in order for an aircraft to fly, that lift has to be greater than the weight. So the weight, you know, everything falls to the earth, gravity 9.8 meters per second square. In other words, per second per second. So it speeds up. And I don't want to talk, you know, too foreign for too long, but with these laws in motion, an aircraft can fly. So as you thrust forward, which is your velocity, distance divided by time, which in a given direction, your thrust forward has to be greater than the drag that's acting opposite on that, okay? So when a plane is taking off until it gets to the point where that lift is greater than the weight, it's not going to take off. Does that make sense? So an aircraft, as it flies way up there, experiences different types of pressures and temperatures. And a lot of times it has to do with the shape of the wing and what they call airfoils and how that technology operates. So in order for an aircraft to continue to fly, it can't have this crazy ice buildup on the wings. Okay, because that interrupts the, the function of these airfoils. Okay. So when you look at weight, you're looking at gravity, you're looking at the gross weight of the airplane, all the passengers, the luggage, 5,000 pounds of fuel that are acting in opposite of what that lift is, okay? So it takes a lot for an aircraft to fly, but we just get on a plane and we just go to point B and don't really think about that. Maybe some of you do, (laughs) some of you freak out. Um, But if you look at this, 
a lot of air, airplanes will send, if I'm correct, a lot of planes, after talking to the pilot, will send exhaust out through the wings to keep the wings warm during the flight. So it was kind of cool to talk to the pilot this weekend and kind of ask a couple of questions, making sure that, you know, getting these things right as far as how an aircraft operates. So I'm not going to get into any more details, but this morning's message title is Check Your Wings. Now, if you were to look around during worship, you would see some wings that are here. You would see some that are here. Some that are here. Some that are here, right? Check your wings. What is acting in your life as opposition to the call of God? To the will of God? Because we can't get past this until we kind of unload some of the weight that is affecting us to go higher in Christ. We can't find the will of God. We don't know what it is. We could, we could ask. And if we are constantly doing something in opposition to what God is trying to do in our lives, you're not going to find the will of God for your life. Do you understand that? So listen to this article real quick just to kind of put it uh, verbally to you from the pulpit. According to an ABC News article, federal investigators deemed pilot error to be one of the chief causes of an airplane crash in February of 2009, which killed all 49 on board and one person on the ground. The plane lost speed as it was approaching the airport near Buffalo, New York, due to ice on the wings. Most people think that a plane flies because wind gets underneath its wings and lifts it, but it's actually the motion of air flowing over the top of the surface of the wings that lifts the plane. So when ice gets on the wings, it interrupts the flow of air over the top and the aircraft loses what they call lift, meaning it can plunge like a stone straight down out of the sky to the earth. So when cockpit warnings indicate that a plane is about to stall, pilots are trained to push what is called the stick shaker forward so that the nose of the plane will drop, causing the plane to increase in speed and return to a lift position. At that point... The pilot can raise the nose and literally in the air take off again. This is encouraging. Are you thinking spiritually? Yet in this case, in, instead of pushing the stick shaker forward, the captain pulls it backwards. Not just once, but several times. The airline involved issued a statement saying this. By all accounts, the captain and first officer were fine people. They knew what they had to do but they didn't do it. We cannot speculate on why they did not use their training with the situation that they faced. In other words, the pilot as part of the training had most likely been in a simulator and would have learned how to respond in that particular situation. Yet when it occurred in real life, rather than trust the training that he had, the captain leaned on his own instincts. So my question this morning is, how different are we in the house of God? This sanctuary, this simulator, if you will. Kind of when we read stories in the Bible, we present the word, we present scriptures and others on maybe how they reacted in certain situations. And we're being trained in this simulator the right way to speak, the right way to act, interact, react, to situations, the right way to even think so that when we are in a crisis, we don't come crashing down. Amen? 
So destroying not only ourselves, but taking out others along the way, maybe who we're trusting in our authority, trusting in our leadership as a mom, as a dad, as a pastor, as a school teacher, as somebody that has some type of leadership role. It's why it's so important that the words of God not just be on the page, but they become part of our character. In fact, I read something the other day that talked about waiting on the Lord and what that means. And it actually, that word waiting, in the context of which I was reading, it was talking about being intertwined, almost braided with God and the Spirit of God. Waiting, but actively seeking God and His will, not just sitting and waiting and doing nothing. That's how we get strength. So we will then know how to instinctively respond according to what we have learned. And it says in Isaiah 40, 29, he gives power to the weak. I could stop there. Amen. He gives power to the weak. Are you weak? And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and even the young men shall utterly fall. In other words, there comes a season in each of our lives when we feel that we can't go on. I feel that professionally at times. Like I can't, I can't do this another day. Have you been there? Have you felt that in your family, with your children? Maybe the burden of something that wasn't your problem, but now it's your problem. You didn't do anything, but it's your problem. And you better learn how to deal with it according to what the Word of God says and how to deal with it. So we all face seasons when this coldness, this ice, so to speak, gets into our heart. Sometimes simply because of the repetition and maybe the monotony of, of daily life. An example, marriages often get into trouble because there's really no effort on the part of the husband or no effort on the part of the wife to rekindle the flame of love that was once this, this foundation of the relationship. We just passed Valentine's Day. Well, I don't need to do anything then. She knows that I love her. You're wrong. You better do something. Because if you're not doing something on those special holidays, what are you doing outside of those holidays? It's a rekindling constantly of this relationship. See, coldness can kind of seep into our relationship with God, particularly when we become so accustomed to this pattern of just coming to church, being a Christian, and kind of maybe just put things on autopilot. And we just kind of cruise through this Christian life sometimes. But soon this gross weight this, that this aircraft experiences of the people on board and of their baggage and of the luggage and of the fuel starts to become greater than the lift and you start to go down and you don't know what happened. So this weight of repetition, personal trials and struggles in our own mind, they start to kind of crash in on us. And before we know it, we feel like we're losing lift as Christians. It's really important that in these moments we go back to our training. And maybe your training takes place on, daily at your home, in a, in a, in a, in a secret place, maybe um, in a closet or just at the table as you eat breakfast or wherever that is where you gain insight, where you gain knowledge and wisdom in the Word of God. We go back to that training. We rely on our training. 
I mean, soldiers are trained, the Bible says, endure hardship as a good soldier in Jesus Christ. We're constantly training for things to come. I know that the past 17, 18, 19, 20 years are preparing me, preparing my wife and myself for the next phase, the next chapter, always in training mode, amen, for something else. I refuse to allow life to become monotonous and boring and dry. I, I have control over that. When it comes to seeking God and his will, because I'm telling you that when you do that, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be. When you come to Christ, everything gets better. Wrong. I would say, man, come to Christ and you will be in for the one of the most adventurous, dangerous journeys that you could possibly imagine. It's exciting. So listen to this. God has already kind of told us what to do when these things happen in our training. Our, our instinct might be to pull back, but just like the pilot did, that was the wrong decision because in his training it said to push forward, even though God says to push forward. We pull back maybe from the word of God. We pull back from the house of God. We pull back from the service of God, serving in the local church, we start to pull back, and it's obvious. Where you been? You pulling back instead of pushing forward like you were supposed to know in your training what to do. And if you just do it, it might look contradictory to what your plans are. It might look dangerous, but God says, trust me, do it, and then you take off again. And God meets you right where you are. I know that Romans says that the call of God is irrevocable. You go back to the prayer closet after years and he says, now where were we? If you still haven't let go of bitterness and unforgiveness or an addiction, he says, now where were we? I'm not allowing you to move forward and to prosper without addressing these things. His thumb is on us until we humble ourselves, submit to his lordship, his authority, and he will lift us up, amen? So God is saying all along that now is not the time to pull back. It's the time to push forward and believe. And I know that this is one of my wife's favorite scriptures, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him. In other words, when you don't understand, when it looks like, like listening to God or heeding God's instructions is the worst course of action in the natural we have to trust what he says rather than to rely on our own instincts. It's so easy to want to trust ourselves because we can become really good at making plans and mapping out your life. What's your five-year plan? Tell me your 10-year forecast. What's it look like for you? Get all of your resumes and portfolios and the things that you've done. Get them together. Make your plans. Move to a bigger city. That'll take your problems away. But see, like I said before, not all good plans are God plans. And we have to be really cautious of this. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1.20, he says, For all the promises of God are in him, yes and amen. And he says in 1 Corinthians 10.9-14, it says, Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain, as some of them also complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. 
Now all these things happened to them as examples as they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you will be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. When the Apostle Paul says this, flee from idolatry, he's referring to, to we can make anything an idol, but ultimately we make our own heart the idol because we start pursuing the desires of our own heart. And the Bible says that our heart deceives us. The Bible says that it's desperately wicked. Who can even know it? So we start making our heart an idol and making these plans and you know, flee from becoming the God of your own life, in other words. Flee from following human instinct that always wants to rise up and even take the place and substitute the word of God. In God's word. So some other examples of how we can kind of avoid to make this a little more practical, leaning on our own understanding and instead acknowledging God in all of our ways. Paul says in Ephesians 4, 25 through 27, therefore put away lying. <laughs> Stop lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. Listen, be angry but sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer. These are so simple. This is ice on your wings. This is not allowing us to get lift. When we lie, we steal. We are dishonest. We're angry. We sin. We're giving the devil an inch, and he takes so many miles. This is really important, even more practical, during tax time. Amen? See, stealing from the government is still theft. Even if you say, well, well God knows I need the money more than the government does. Besides, they're just going to blow it and waste it anyway. That is leaning on your own understanding. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. So it's our job to minister grace to the people who are listening to us. In Ephesians 4.30-32 it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, be tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. See, whenever we decide that someone doesn't deserve to be forgiven, and I have been in these situations, and, and, and kind of some struggling through some things right now in my life, making sure that I'm in the perfect will of the Lord. Because people can do things to you, and you didn't do anything to warrant that. What wasn't your problem is now your problem. So I'm like, God, you, can, you, you expect me to handle these things in my frailty? How am I supposed to deal with these things? I didn't even do anything to make this happen, and now I'm, 
I have to deal with this problem. I have to deal with how I'm supposed to deal with it. And everything in my natural ability wants to pull back and not press forward in the things of God. In the next chapter, Paul says in Ephesians 5, through 25, listen to this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands and everything. But listen to this. Well, because of all the activism and feminism and all the, hold up. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. If I love my wife that way, she has no trouble submitting to my leadership. But if I don't love her that way, I wouldn't blame her for not submitting to my leadership. Do you understand what I'm saying? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, giving himself for it. So if your marriage is in trouble, don't pull back. Don't pull up and back from the pages of the word of God. From these specific instructions that he's given us as a husband or as a wife. Don't draw the throttle back in this. Push forward and get your heart and your mind back into the obedience of the Word of God. See, we don't find out whether or not we pass the test in a simulator. Real life hits. I could tell you in all the things that, that I've done and the positions that I've held on this planet, currently just a youth pastor and a principal, all the education did not prepare me for real life. Because a simulator is one thing, real life is another. So I have to be dependent on God and his word when situations arise. If we don't get this excess weight off of our wings as Christians, we will not discover God's plan for our life. This is imperative. It's so important that we as Christians, with the thousands of people that we can impact and affect, we have to make sure that we're working out our own salvation in fear and trembling and getting rid of the excess gross weight so we can lift into the heavenlies and soar for God. Because it's when we're in crisis where things are really put to the test. We have to trust God for our finances. Tithing makes no sense, but God says to push forward. Don't pull back. And I can't explain it, but my wife and I have lived a blessed life because we've tithed since I was 16 and she was in her teens. That's what we learned. That's what we've done. No matter how much we hate it, we don't want to, especially starting out. You might not be able to see, but God is faithful. He will show you if you are obedient. He will bless you. I'm telling you, it's just something you have to learn from experience. You have to trust God with your finances. You have to believe for your family. You have to believe for your children. You have to believe for your marriage. So that we have to push that, that, that shaker stick forward. We have to get back into the word of God and, and just simply humble ourselves and say, Lord, would you just help me not to lean on my own understanding? It's a simple prayer. Would you help me to try not to figure out a, a, a way of this dilemma in my own strength? It's a simple prayer. Would you help me to trust in you with all of my heart? 
So we pray this way and we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. We will find ourselves gaining lift again. But these, this weight and the lift work in opposition to each other. What in your life, what in our lives is in opposition to what God is trying to do? This morning is another opportunity to bring that to the altar. A place of a new beginning. A place where God burns up and forgives and gives you a new start. It's another opportunity. We can't keep dismissing these opportunities. We can't underestimate the power and the potential of one service of where God wants to divinely work on the human heart and get rid of some of this weight, this baggage, so to speak, so that you can lift again. It's, it's the laws of God. It's the laws of physics. It's the way that it is. So listen to this. David says in Psalm 44, Our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days, in the days of old. It does us good to remember what God has done and what God has brought us out of because we can't go into until we are brought out of. Have you tried to go in when you're not out? It's hard. It's impossible. And God knows that. He's saying, I still need all of your attention, focus, and trust, and dependency on me. Anything else is pride. Listen to this. You drove out the nations with your hand, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples and cast them out. For they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword. This is good recognizing these things. Nor did their own arm save them, but it was your right hand, your arm, capital Y, in the light of your countenance because you favored them. You are my king, O God. Command victories for Jacob. Through you we will push down our enemies. Through your name we will trample those who rise up against us. I want to be on this side. And I don't have, I trusted in God for this victory. For I will not trust in my bow, nor shall my sword save me. Isn't this a nice recognition and realization and just a coming to like, okay, it's not me. This is a great place to be because in my weakness his strength is made perfect. It says, but you have saved us from our enemies and have put to shame those who hated us. In God we boast all day long and praise your name forever. See, David is saying here, Lord, you, you've told us what you've done in the past. And you brought your people out of captivity and into this, this promised place. Not by human intellect or reasoning or by strength, but by your spirit. So when you reflect on these things, knowing the history, I, I'm not going to trust in my bow anymore. I'm not going to trust in my concealed carry anymore or my martial arts ability or my weightlifting ability or my being agile, mobile, hostile, and quick like a gazelle. Right? I'm not going to trust in myself anymore because I've been trying to make this work for too long and it doesn't. And God's saying, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. I'm gonna cause such lift to happen, but I wanna take the guilt and the shame and the weight that you've produced. It's a lot of times self-inflicted and self-induced that we create that we can't let go of. But when we start to give God these controls back and do what he says, he will lift you. He will lift you. He will lift you. 
So listen to this. David is saying, like, look at the past. Look what he's done. It's not by intellect, reasoning, or strength, but it's by his spirit. So knowing the history, I'm not going to trust in my bow. I'm not going to trust in my sword, nor in my own strength, or in my reasoning. It says, you, you will be the boast all the days of my life. I will boast in you. So when we finish our race, really in this church and in the Christian walk, every person who has been bought with blood and has recognized Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior should end with the same testimony. Only God could have done this. Only God could have done this. You have skills, you have talents, you have gifts, you have an education, but only God could have done this. You have to put things in perspective. So we can even say as Paul at some point maybe, follow me as I have followed Christ. I was crushed. I was distressed. Man, I had a death sentence. Nevertheless, I didn't trust in human strength. I trusted in the one who raises men from the dead. We're going to, man, come on up. We, we, I want that new song that you played, let's play that again and let's see maybe if we can de-ice a little bit. And get some ice off of our wings. Listen to this in Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. See, we know the pathways of God because he told us that too in Jeremiah 29, 11, which is so quoted. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. As I look around at culture, as I look around at our young people, it's a, it can be a little nerve-wracking at the future. But the Bible says God knows your future to give you a future and a hope no matter who says what otherwise. It's to bring you to a place of freedom that you long for. Are you bound today? Are you being held captive by the enemy it's to bring you to this place of freedom, to bring you to a place of strength that we need, to bring us to this renewed vision of what our life is all about in the first place. We can't move forward. We can have, you can have all the velocity and thrust you want, but if you don't have the lift, you're not going anywhere. You will inevitably crash. So this morning as we stand, please, I know that God will give you a, a, a vision and, and the power to be able to carry out and execute His plan for your marriage to make your marriage what maybe it's never been. These are the pathways of God. We have to trust the Lord and acknowledge Him in all of our ways. And new hope. Then we can watch where He will lead us. It's about God's will, right? But we're not going to get into God's will unless we relieve our wings of the ice buildup and of the baggage and of all this excess that contributes to the gross weight. We're not going to be able to lift. Are you, are you wanting to know what God wants for you, New Hope Church? Are you wanting to know what He specifically has for you and your life? If that is you, de-ice your wings, come to the altar, put your trust and your faith in Him. If you've never given your heart to the Lord or if you are in a place where you need to recommit your life to Him because it's been a while, the altar is open. It offers a newness that the world can't offer.
So listen, come to the altar. Submit, surrender. God is here, it says, in his mercy is how relationship with him starts. And then through grace, it's sustained daily. So let's take down the lights a little more and let's give God this time that we have this morning. Father, bless this time this morning. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would search the hearts of everyone that is here today. If there's anything in our lives that dishonors you or we got to a place and we didn't even know how we got there, we ask, Lord, that you would be able to help us because in our own strength, it is no avail. Please, Lord Jesus, be magnified at this altar this morning with sincere hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.